Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 216. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. How are you doing? So I just looked at when this is airing because as you know, I batch and I did a couple of weeks back, quite a few weeks back now, by the time this comes out, I did a whole week focusing on batching and what was good and what was bad. And I talked about one of the things that is quite difficult is, well, first off, you really have to know what's happening in your business and planning ahead. And second off, sometimes you can feel a little bit disjointed from what's come out live at the time because obviously I'm recording this. I'm actually recording this on the 18th of October. And according to my plan, this is coming out on the 15th of November. So like, yeah, there's really, there's good and bad to batching. And and that's one of the things I can feel a little bit disjointed from my content anyway. So as you're listening to this, it's November, which feels a little bit scary because that's 2021 nearly over, which in some ways we'll be very pleased about. And in other ways, it's just, wow, another year's gone by, which makes me feel terribly old. But that is a thing, I guess, now. I am early 40s, so they, those are words that I would be saying. And maybe I do say old things now, so it's a thing. Anyway, I would like to ask you a favour. I am thinking about doing a kind of half day online. I'm, I don't know about you, but I am tired of the online thing. But... There are lots of advantages. One, you are listening to this from wherever in the world and it can be open to you. Two, it's like a lot less logistical stuff. And three, it's a lot cheaper. I'm running an online, I'm running an in-person event at the beginning of December, which I'm very excited about. And it's super luxury, super high end. It's really nice. In fact, that reminds me, I was listening to a podcast the other day. And in fact, she's coming on this podcast and she talked about the fact that she was Chanel, not Target. Now, obviously, if you're American, you'll know those references. Well, if you're UK, you'll know Chanel. And you might probably know Target. And I just thought, you know what? That's me. Like, when I think about my values and my brand values and what I offer to my audience, I offer them the nicest stuff and the best stuff and the highest quality stuff. And that's my aim, that me and my brand are Chanel, not Target. Anyway, that was a side. So uh, the favour I have to ask of you is I'm thinking about doing this half day online, I I won't say in person again then, session around planning your 2022. Now, I know lots of people jump on this thing and it's a thing and, 
you know, there are lots of options out there to do planning sessions. However, this is something I do all the time. And this is something I do in the academy, in my membership. And I was just wondering if I was to put something on externally, would you fancy that? Would you come along? Is it something you're interested in? So if you can drop me a DM or an email or carry a pigeon, fax, those might not arrive in time. If you can drop me some kind of communication and let me know whether you fancy this idea, then we could always do like a half day planning session, which, like I said, we do saw and it's a lot around that and they love it. And we do things like we review the year before, we do some mindset stuff, we make a plan, we do some like strategy stuff. So it's cool. It's really cool. Anyway, let me know if you like it or like the idea of it. Anyway, on to today's podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Melita Campbell. And Melita is a business coach who uses her 25 plus years of marketing and entrepreneurial, ex- un- oh, that's such a hard word to say, entrepreneurial experience to help women confidently build and grow profitable business that gives fulfillment and flexibility. She is the host of the Driven Female Entrepreneur podcast and a best-selling author and international speaker. She's originally from the UK and now lives in Switzerland and works with women from around the world. The reason Melita came onto the podcast is because I wanted her to talk about niching. Now, when I booked her on and sent her her thing to say, I'd like us to talk about this, because I don't know if you know the process of the podcast, people apply to come on the podcast, the application form says, what can you offer my audience? What can you talk to them about? And one of the things on her list was niching. And I was like, do you know what? We haven't had people talk about niching very much, in fact, at all, really. And therefore, it would be good to have that focus on today's episode. Anyway, so I said to her, I want to go about niching and I was really interested in it because I've always said, or for a long time I said, I don't have a niche. And now I realise I do have a niche. It's to do with me and my personality and what people can expect from me and the type of people I attract. Anyway, I discovered this a little while back, but so I wasn't sure what Melita was going to talk about. And what I was really pleased about was she talked about the fact of the niche isn't necessarily about, oh, I only work with farmers aged 26 and above, but lower than 34. Like she didn't talk about that as a niche or I only work with social media managers or I only work with coaches who deal with this particular thing. She talked about the niche being around your values and I really liked it. Uh, She gave me lots of great takeaways and I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. Uh, especially if you're trying to get clear on what you offer to your particular customers. Okay, I will leave you to the episode with Melita. Here you go. So it is my pleasure today to welcome to the podcast, Melita Campbell. Melita, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Good, good. I've just realized your surname is Campbell. And what some people may or may not know is that's actually my surname. When I started my business, I... I was still married to my ex-husband and this he's wearing was my surname. And now I'm married to my new husband, who is lovely. Our surname's Campbell, but of course I had to stick with my existing name because you type it into Google and you find me anywhere. So yeah, he finds it very frustrating that no one uses my actual surname. So yeah, we share the same name. So, yeah, so we could be cousins in, in some form or other. Maybe we are related, you know, what is it, 12 degrees of separation or something. I'm sure there'll be something in it. Um, anyway, we didn't get you on here to talk about it. We always start the same way by you introducing yourself to my audience. So please let them know who you are and how you got to do what you're doing today. Thanks, uh, Teresa. So I'm Melita Campbell, as you introduced, and I'm a business coach. I'm originally from the UK, as you can tell from my accent, but today I live in Switzerland with my my husband and daughters. And life here is quite different. So I never really saw myself as being a business owner. I worked in in corporate, in in marketing, communications, but then I moved to Switzerland, and I, I did have a job when I moved here at first. But when I had children. I suddenly realized, oh, you know, there's there's no part-time working. There was, I had no support network. I didn't have any family nearby. So it was either be a full-time mum or try and do something for myself as well. And so I saw that as being a nice way to keep my hand in. Because if I'm honest, when I very first started, I fully expected that one day I would be going back into the business, into a corporate role full-time. But it, so it just started as a little part-time thing just to keep my brain from going not going too mummy and mushy in the process but actually I loved it and I had such a uh, 
great time. I started as a communication consultant for large businesses. That was something that was quite easy for me to do. And I had a network in that area. So it was, it was kind of the most logical first step with a, with a five month old baby. And I was kind of quite swamped. So I didn't want to do anything too pushing outside too far out of my comfort zone. What I really wanted to be doing, however, was continuing the work I'd been doing in my corporate career when I reached senior management and I wanted to use that as an opportunity to inspire more women to create their own career path. So I started a women's network there working in Switzerland in private banking was a little bit like what I saw my father's office being like in London in the 70s. <laughs> so there was a lot of scope for a lot more diversity. And I loved that work. So that was always in the back of my mind. And so I, I built the communication consultancy. It was going great, but it was it was just lacking something. You know, it was bringing in the income, but it wasn't fulfilling me per personally. And so I started to do networking and I was trying to find other business owners and when I found them, particularly the other women, they were really struggling to communicate their value and build a business that was a business and not an expensive yeah. hobby. And bit by bit, when I explained my background and what I'd been doing, then women started to ask me, well, could you help me build my business? And for a long time, I was like, no, I couldn't do that. And then they were like, please. Well, one woman was like, but you're the only one that can help me. And I was like, okay, well, let me look into this. And I saw that what was missing was you know, women often had some kind of plan that they'd maybe worked on with their husband, but it wasn't a plan and a goal and a vision that they really believed in. And so they weren't taking those consistent steps with an, enough intention to make a difference. They were really struggling to communicate their value. And part of the reason with, with that was because they just saw themselves as being able to help everyone. And of course, that makes it really, really difficult to stand out and communicate what you do. And the third part was that they didn't have the right mindset. They weren't really putting processes in place. They weren't respecting their time. And so those were three key things. I thought that's exactly what I can help them with. So I created my dream client's blueprint to really help them in those three areas. And that was, I launched that four years ago now, and it's been amazing ever since. So that's how I got to where I am today. You know, that's so awesome. Was it always a case of you wanted to work just with women or was it that you resonated or you found it more enjoyable or there was more of a need there? What was the the kind of driver behind it? Mm, great question. So I do work with a handful of men, but what I saw from the women's network that I ran for the bank was that when women learn so well from other women and when you can create a positive network and a positive kind of group of women together who just really work together to support each other then anything becomes possible and so I really wanted to recreate that so my dream clients blueprint is a small group business program and that I restrict to like maximum 12 women at a time so that we really have that nice community in there and everyone inspires and encourages each other. And they learn so much from each other al alongside the program and my coaching as well. It's really a wonderful experience. But on a one-to-one -one basis, I do work with men as well because they have exactly the same problems. <laughs> there isn't really anything different. And yeah, even now often the, the men are the ones that are working flexibly around the kids as well. So it's not even the family pressure necessarily. Uh, but I, I felt for the group, keeping that as female only was was important. And also in this area, as I said, there is no part-time working. And so a lot of women are struggling to find work, particularly I, I live abroad and there's a big expat network here. And so a lot of the women, they don't know the language. They don't have a local network. They don't know how to even begin finding a job where they can use their talents in a way that they want to. So starting a business is, is a perfect opportunity for them to to continue and that's very much echoes my own experience so it's it's that that was really my motivation behind setting the group up just for women you know it's interesting when i first started my on um, my own business i'd come from corporate i'd come from very male orientated roles so you know the car industry where i was literally the only female i was in banking a very long time ago and again very heavy male and when I remember there was like a couple of women only networking and I remember being almost quite anti women only networking. And I was almost a little bit like, well, if you can't work with men, then you've literally halved your, you know, 50% of your audience type thing. Yeah. 
but I was exactly the same. And because I worked in IT, I worked in uh, property, I worked in real estate. Oh, same thing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I worked in shipping and marine engineering. Yeah, really, very male. male dominated. And and it was the same. I really avoided women's networks for a long time because I was like, oh. I, I don't feel held back by being a woman. And no. I never had been. I had amazing mentors who were men and really, really supportive. So, But it was only when I came here where I saw that women had been told one time too many, you can't do that, you're a girl. And they'd started to believe it. And there was a real problem here. And for the first time, I thought, well, I, I, I feel, kind of felt immune to it because that wasn't my experience. That wasn't my belief system. So I could, I, I felt that it was something that I could gift the, the other women in the network across the company by having this network and bringing them together. And it was just the most incredible experience. So now I'm a big fan of women's networks, the right yeah. ones. And <laughs> exactly. And do you know what? Now I am. And I think you're right. There is something about having all women in a, in a group that they are very supportive. They do cheer each other on. They are, if it's the right group of people, obviously that's not always the case, but but I do think there's something about it. And also one thing I find, because in my in my membership, predominantly it's women. There are men in there and it's not just for women, but I attract majority women. And in my next level membership, there are all bar one that are women. And I think, you know, creating the space where they can talk about things that are honest and things that only and this is going to sound so, I've got, you know, I'm so careful when I talk about these things because it sounds so sexist, like only women can deal with. But the role of being a parent is traditionally different if you're a woman. You know, one of my members in particular, in fact, a couple of my members, they have their own businesses. Their partners have full-time jobs or their own businesses. And yet they're still responsible for the children and the cooking and the, you know, and that just blows my mind. And I'm very, well, I don't even want to say the word lucky because it's not, it shouldn't be lucky. This should be the case that my husband does as much as I do. In fact, he probably does more than I do because we have help with cooking now. But, you know, it shouldn't be that even if you've got your own business, that still sits on your plate. It should be shared out. So I think having women together who can talk about those things are great because you can relate and understand and support and that sort of thing. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm I am a big fan of it now. I do think there's there's definitely something different about women coming together and women in business that we need to be slightly different. So Yeah, absolutely. And I saw that being particularly important during COVID as well. During the lockdown, I, I extended my programme so that everyone could stick together during the chaos. We didn't know what was going to happen. And, and actually it turned out to be really important because a lot of the women, they just didn't know how to handle the situation. Suddenly the, the husband was saying, well, why is the fridge empty? <laughs> They're like, well we haven't gone shopping yet. Do you want to do that? And he's like, yeah, I don't know what to get. <laughs> well, you yeah. know what you eat. So they felt under a lot of pressure and it was nice that we could all support them in making the decisions and asking for the things that they needed. And it's interesting as well that you say that, you know, when you went out to Switzerland, life almost went back 10 years. You know, it is interesting, different cultures in different places, how, how it's still very much... You know, a certain way. I did some training in Dubai a few years back when we could travel. And I remember, obviously, I wanted to make sure that I was very in line with their culture. But I remember getting very specific directions. And my husband used to go to Dubai a lot, and the Middle East a lot. So he knew them. And, and things like, you know, if a male came in, I wasn't to put my hand out and shake his hand. I had to wait till he offered his hand. You know, and it's things like this that I would have done automatically, you know, because of. I'm fairly confident with dealing with males, but but again, you have to remember that even though there's still a lot of work to do in the UK and do in the States and in very westernized places, there are places in the world that are still 10, 15, 20 years behind where we are. So yeah, it's really interesting. Anyway, we didn't bring you up. looking at these places and seeing that the women are finding a way anyway. And I love that. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I did some work looking at Dubai and, and seeing what was available for women entrepreneurs and that sort of thing. And it is, they are trying, you know, and you think, gosh, like this thing is hard enough anyway to do it in a country where generally you are not, you know, that is not the done thing. That is just phenomenal that you're doing that. So, mm. so yeah. Okay. So you started this networking, you started your small group program and one thing that I brought you on because I really want you to talk about today is the fact that one of the points that you said is that your your 
audience, the people in your small group program thought they can market to everybody. And this is like a marketer's nightmare to say, you know, who buys your product? Well, anybody, because they are the hardest people to market to when it's anybody. So one thing that you talk about specifically, which I'm fascinated in, because this is something that I've not really done, although I'll touch on it in a bit, is niching and why and how and all the good stuff. So explain to us first about what is a niche and why do you need one? Mm. Yeah, I think niching is something that's really interesting and it and it's just helping you get a little bit more specific about who you help and the impact you can have. So with my clients, one of the very first steps we do, even if they've been in business for several years, is take a step back and relook at their vision, their values, what's really important and meaningful to them so that we can make sure that's built into the fabric of what they do. But then we also do a similar exercise for the clients. And then where those the, the two overlap, where we see that there's common elements of where what the, the client wants to achieve and what they the impact that they want to have for others overlaps. And that is where we start to build their messaging, their product suite, their uh, communications, their marketing, everything. And then it just feels like it just has this beautiful flow that everything is in alignment. It makes sense. It makes sense to them. It makes sense to their cl- clients. And it it becomes an experience and a journey rather than, oh, this is what I do and now I have to sell it to this person or a big push. If you're speaking to the wrong people, you, you feel that in your sales conversations and they feel like sales conversations, which of course they shouldn't do. It should just feel like the next logical step in, in your journey together. And one of my clients um, described the process as, oh, what you're teaching us is side door marketing. It's like, what do you mean? She says, well, while everyone else is knocking on the front door, all dressed up smart, uh, introducing themselves politely, we're just going in the side doors and cooey, should I put the kettle on? That's <laughs> like, brilliant. I love, I love that imagery. Yeah. So I really feel that that's what your marketing should feel like for your clients, that you're there alongside them, you you understand them, you, you're on that mission with them to help them get to where they want to go to. You get them like no one else does. And you can't have that level of connection and meaning and value and, and messaging with your clients if you don't know specifically who they are. And that's where the niche comes in. And when it comes to niching, a lot of people don't go deep enough. They think, oh, I'm working with women aged 35 to 50 and they live in this area and they want to get fit, you know, but you, you can't really niche. It's not really meaningful. What you really want to know is, is what are they trying to achieve in their life and what's hold, what's standing them in their way? What are the other challenges? And a lot of the time you can lock it to their challenges and not actually anything to do with what you do in business, but it shows that you care and it shows insight and understanding. And that's where the side door comes in. So you're already there with them and then them help you working with them to really solve their problems is just for them, it's just the next step. It's it's an easy um, decision for them to make. I love that. There's so much there about that I love. I love the word side door marketer. That is brilliant. And it is a bit like, I know you so well, like I can make you a coffee and we can have a chat because I know, you know, we are on that level. So, but the thing that I really liked about what you said is when I first, you know, because obviously I review who's coming on the podcast. I look at, you know, what we're going to talk about. I put some questions together. And when I put niching first and, and thought, right, we're going to have a discussion around niching. My first thought was that you're going to say you need to pick a really specific area. And so, for instance, when I see niching, I see I only work with, this isn't me, someone else. I only work with social media managers. I only deal with people in the finance industry. I only work with the building industry or whatever it is. So often, and I'm really glad you came in from this point of view, because for a long time, I said I didn't have a niche and I felt that held me back. And then I realized I did. It just wasn't a typical niche. So talk about, and I want to, I will talk about that in a bit, but talk about the fact of like what we see as the typical niche, like, you know, the kind of what, that people think it has to be, oh, I only deal with this type of thing rather than a niche of understanding your audience. Yeah, I think when it comes to niching, you know, in some cases, if you're 
if your business is all about being a local legend, you know, that kind of business, then it makes perfect sense to say, well, I'm looking at this demographic de demographic person in this area. But for most businesses now, they're going online. And I work a lot with coaches because I see that's where it really an industry where they really struggle to communicate. They really care about having an impact and helping people. But what that, how to communicate that what that is, is really difficult because it's such an abstract concept, coaching. And lots of people have very different understandings of what it means and different experiences of it. So how do you cut through that? And the way is to not talk about coaching, but of course, talk about the the transformation that you get for people, the result, what they're going to look for afterwards. And there's that um, famous quote by Theodore Levitt, the marketing professor at, at Harvard. I think he's recently retired, but he he was talking about the fact that people don't want a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole in the wall. And I was like, all right, hands up. Who wants a hole in the wall? <laughs> you know? So it's our job to really understand what they want that hole for. Do they want to put a beautiful picture of their family up? Do they want to put a, a meaningful piece of art? Are they putting a bookshelf with their favorite titles on or some their favorite objects? So that's what we want to find out from our clients is to, to understand enough about what that hole is for for them. And that's what you want to talk about. What are they going to get after working with us and is that something that they're looking for and I think then it becomes you 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 are narrowing the market down but you're also keeping yourself open to opportunity so it's not like oh I'm only going to work with people oh you're you're 26 not 25 I don't work with you and I think particularly for you know most business owners are there to solve a problem so it's 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 knowing what that that the resolution of that problem means for people and that's what you want to build your niche around I think yeah, that's so good. So let me tell you about this story then. So I started years ago doing like being a marketing manager for people and consultancy and, and then we had an agency and then I started the online business and I could have any small business in my online business and that still stands today. So I've got people who do baking classes, who have uh, box subscriptions for children, who are personal trainers, who are coaches, who are web developers, who, I'm just trying to think, who are speakers, who are advocates about domestic abuse. Like, I literally, you name it, I've probably got someone in the academy that covers that thing, okay? And I started to look at my, not even my competitors, my other people in the industry doing similar things to what I'm doing. And when I looked at the ones that were really successful, they had a very tight niche. So for instance, one of my, and these are all people that I coach, which is kind of like, I always joke, it's a little bit embarrassing that they have slightly bigger audiences and bigger memberships than I do. And I coach them. But one of them is she has a membership specifically for counsellors on how to market their counselling services, private practice. I have another couple of people that I coach who specifically do social media managers and help them with that. And I looked at these people and I was like, that's my problem. I don't have a niche. I need a niche. And then every time I tried to think of a niche, I was like, I don't want a niche. I don't want to. I like the fact that I talk about baking and then talk about something completely you know, opposite to baking within a very short space of time. And my brain works fast. And I like that. I like having to think quick and go from one thing to another. And in my 15 years of marketing, I have marketed literally from frozen chicken to cars, luxury cars. Like I've done the lot. So it's really difficult for me to niche. So I always said I didn't have a niche and I found it really difficult. And then I did some work with one of my members who was very good at copywriting and it turns out I totally have a niche, but I didn't have a traditional niche that the others had. Like we only deal with these types of businesses or people. My niche, personality niche, it's a type of person niche. So for instance, if someone applies to come on the podcast and they named me in their application, how they made six figures in 10 minutes and used one secret hack, they're out before I even look at them. Like, they are not for me. They're not for my audience. If someone talks about hustling and getting up at 4am to do your morning routine, I am all for that. That's great. However, my audience and me, we're fam we have families, we have children. I don't want to hustle. I don't want to work 16 hours a day, seven days a week to build this business because that would be neglect on my daughter. So, so I realized that actually 
I have found a niche by being very authentic in terms of who I am and how I am, you know, and then attracting a similar type of person by saying to them, I know you don't want to work all the hours that God sends and you don't even want to be a millionaire, although that would be nice. Like you just want a business that matters and income that matters and you don't want to be overwhelmed and exhausted that you can't even spend five minutes with your children. So like that, that for me felt like hallelujah that I'd finally found it. But I don't think many people think like that. And it's so good to hear that you think like that. Mm, exactly. And I think you know, your story, I've heard quite a few times and it freaks people out. So like, well, I work with, I work with all these different types of people and I don't want to not work with, with them. Uh, but then when we talk about it, then it, they do have a niche. It's, it's this, this result that the kind of lifestyle that people want afterwards, that is totally what they help them with. And they can, and it takes a bit of digging sometimes, but there's always some kind of com- common element because someone's They've all seen something in you that they they want, that they respect, that they that they believe that they can take away value from, and often it's the same thing. We just need to dig that bit deeper. So yeah, I love that story, and it really perfectly illustrates that idea of like, what do they want that hole for? And it doesn't need to be the same thing. Even you know, it's just like, well, how can you help them create that perfect wall? Like maybe even that's the you know the the, the niche, but. Yeah, niching around the result and what they come away with afterwards, I think is really powerful. Yeah. Okay. So let's say someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I need to to kind of really hone in because that that exercise of being able to go in the side door, I love that, is is so good. And it's a game changer when talking to audience. So what sort of things would you recommend that they do? Or how do they get started to try and even, you know, understand who those people are and work with those things yeah I think there's there's one little tip I give my clients and it's quite a fun exercise and it, and it's really really quick and simple and it and it works so all you need to do is just imagine your client on a Friday night they've had a hard week they go down the pub with their friends and they're a little bit tipsy and they just like slam their fist on the table like I just want what's that yeah. then that is your message you, know, you just want to build everything around what is that one big problem they have that they are just sick to the back teeth of and yeah. they want to get rid of it that you can help with and and start from there. Yeah, no, that's great. I often say, if I could wave a magic wand, like if I could wave a magic wand, what would we do? How would it look? How would, because again, that's, and what both of our questions are doing is it's coming from emotion. It's yeah. coming from, you know, what parts of your business are blah, 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 blah. It's not that at all. It's coming from a a frustration or a or a vision of where they want to be. So I think that's really, really good. I think that's, yeah, for me, that's really powerful knowing that sort of thing. Yeah. And you often hear, you go on someone's website or you hear them pitch themselves on social media and they're like, you know, I help the busy, busy moms find the, the right nutritional blend or mix for their kids and whatever. It's like, no one's sitting up at night thinking, oh, I wish I had the right nutritional mix for my kids. It's like, how do I kind of get the food on the table <laughs> and not poison them in five minutes? So, you know, there's, there's, you, what you really need to understand the conversation that's going on in your client's mind and join that conversation, be part of that, help them know that where they're at is fine and, and that there is a better future and help them believe in that vision. Because that's often the tricky part is that they know what they want. They just don't necessarily believe that that is possible for them. And when you come and say, oh, I can make that possible for you, they they want to believe you. But if you can't communicate how clearly, and they don't mean like how as in the exact steps they're going to take to get there. They're not really interested in that. They just want to know. Transformation. Yeah, they just want to believe that this really yeah. is possible for them. You kind of want to be their champion and on their side. And and I think a lot of people see the the client as the victim and I, I don't I don't like that at all <laughs> it's much better to, to see them as the champion and and believe in their vision and help them to believe in it too through the steps and the process that you take them yeah absolutely and do you find as well sometimes when I try and talk about this to my audience and and especially if I'm teaching a group or doing a talk somewhere and I talk about the pain points 
i.e., you know, what's the problem? What are you helping them with? Often they take that very literally and feel that their customers have to be in pain. So then let's take my lovely member who does baking classes. And I've done some baking classes with her. She did an amazing baking class and I'm celiac, so that was excellent. And then my husband loves Christmas cake. And even though I couldn't eat it, I did a class to make him a Christmas cake, which I think was his best present ever. But like, it might be very hard for her to understand the the transformation or the pain points or the, because it sounds really dramatic. So if you were looking at, say, her business, what kind of things would you be thinking about from that that point of view in terms of trying to get in the side door? Yeah, I I think it's, it's putting it all in context, isn't it? So if you have a baking business, and I, I hate this term, and I hear so many people say, you know, you really have to find the pain, scratch the pain, <laughs> make them feel really, really bad. Yeah. And like, oh, that's just such such horrible imagery. In case, such instead, I've read, yeah, I know. It's just like, what really, really sucks for them? You know, it's their child's birthday. They really want to bake their own cakes. They don't want to go to Tesco and get something that everyone else has. They want to put love into those cakes, but they don't know how. Every time it looks flat, and although their kid smiles, it's fine, mummy. You know, they feel a little bit like disappointed inside. You know, that's their pain point, and or they want to make the cakes, but they they they're a busy working mom. They don't have the time to get the ingredients, and you know everything that that goes around that. So it's not the actual baking of the cake, but what are the problems that are driver behind it? Sorry. It's the driver behind it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And as you said earlier, it's it's that emotional connection with the problem that they have. Because if they don't have any emotional connection with it, then it's like, well, they don't care. You know, it's, they're, ne- they're not going to invest in yeah. solving it if it's not something that they, you know, when you talk about it specifically and you really do that mind reading piece, like, I understand where you're at. If it's, Does it feel like this? And they feel like, oh my God, you just punched me in the stomach, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, you you need to go to that level uh, just to connect with the emotions, and but then you don't want to make them feel bad for being there. You want to give them hope that yeah. that's okay. We've all been there. You're fine, and we're gonna we're gonna help you out with this. You're gonna have the most beautiful cakes your daughter has ever seen for her yeah. birthday, and you're gonna just feel so proud putting them on a plate for your daughter. You know, yeah. every product has some kind of emotional draw to it and I remember an old sales mentor years ago was saying you know if we didn't have this emotional connection with with the, the products we buy if we just always looking for the cheapest one everyone would be driving a secondhand Skoda and how many of those do you see <laughs> you know not yeah, many though yeah. so it's it's always that emotional connection so you just need to find what's meaningful for them as I said right at the beginning you do this process for yourself to understand what's meaningful in your business and what you really want to create. Just do exactly that exercise for your clients. That's so good. And again, I think that's something that maybe people haven't done. And I've drawn one of those like diagrams where they cross over on my notes as I'm making notes, but like seeing that point of where they match and where they meet. And I think as well, like one thing that's interesting is, especially if you are if you have a business like mine and like yours or a coach or where you are the business, mm-hmm. I think by working out your values and your vision and those things that are important to you is great because I don't want to attract people who don't align with my values. If you need someone to go just do it, and and sometimes I will say that, but only once I know the person, I know like you know, you know how sometimes you need the carrot and sometimes you need the stick. Well, I know my members well enough to know which one to give them. Whereas, you know, I know other people in my industry that literally just give the stick and literally go, you know, you know, you don't want it hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. You just need to get on and do it. And it's like, if someone's values don't align to that, they won't go to that. So being honest in, in your office, some people will only want that. And therefore they might not come to me because, you know, I can be sympathetic from a, do you know what? It, you know, I work hard. I have a successful business, but I still have a family and I still want to enjoy it myself. And I still want to finish at three o'clock on a Friday so I can have a glass of gin or whatever. Like, you know, so I think being honest about that is, is a good thing. Now, one of my questions, or one of the things I was going to ask you is like, when should we niche? And I've, in my head, I was like, shall I, I ask this or not? Because part of me is like, well, I guess as soon as you can. But then another part of me thinks, well, actually, maybe you need to do it for a while to realize what your values are or to realize 
who you want to work with. So, so I am going to ask the question, although I half answered it. So when would I look at it? When, when should we consider this? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you know, if you start your business working with everyone, you know, that you're doomed to fail to start with. You're going to be working way too hard for way too little results and not get anywhere. So you do need to start with some kind of niche. But I think it's important to understand that it will evolve. You know, where you start is never where you end up. You'll start working with these clients and you'll realize, oh, I really love working with them and I didn't expect that. Or I hated working with them. I thought they were going to be a dream. And you're going to be refining that niche over time. And it's kind of like an hourglass, I feel. You start quite broad and then you you come in, you think, oh yeah, I don't like those. I want to do this. This is the impact. So then you have a narrower niche, but then more people can see, oh, that's that's how you do that. Well, that's the value you have. And then suddenly you have more opportunities that grow from that positioning and then you, you refine again. So it's always kind of ebbing and flowing. So I think if it's if it's not clear immediately, just you know, start somewhere, just start, learn, grow, evolve, and know that that's okay. And I th- and I know on my podcast and your episodes coming out soon too, that it's, I don't think anyone on that show has told me that where they started is where they are today. <laughs> They've all learned and grown and it, it's normal. It's, and I think as well, when you're starting out, you really underestimate what you can do and how valuable what you have to offer is. And so as soon as you start to realize that for yourself, you will become more picky as well. I had one client and she had a, a teacher, a school, she taught children to read in English. So where I live, everyone speaks French, they go to French school. Um, and she was just taking anyone that wanted her to read in English, but she was, she was not really doing well. She'd been making a loss for two years and she wasn't particularly loving what she was doing. She was struggling with her marketing. She didn't really know how to break through from that. She was just spending a lot of money on advertising because it's the only thing she could think of to bring in more clients and it wasn't working, of course. So we looked at, like again, her values. How does she do her business? And we realized that she does something quite different to anyone else. She is a professional teacher. She's been doing it a long time. She doesn't have a textbook like every other English class here in the region. She doesn't use a textbook. She co-creates the lessons with the the child or children if it's a group class. So it's really focused on their interests, what they want to do next. She, um, She speaks to the parents to understand what's the gap that the school isn't filling for them so that they don't just learn to read, they learn to love learning. And as soon as she understood that, she was then able to to show, well, this is what I'm look, this is what I give for your child. And if that's what you're looking for for your child, then great. You know, and I remember after we kind of finished working on on this process and she had her her messaging, the next week she had five people walking off the street. She goes, I don't know why this doesn't normally happen. But four of them signed up on the spot and they didn't even ask the price. And she goes, I didn't even sell to them. <laughs> like, well, you did. It's, it's this side door marketing idea. You know, they came in, they just loved everything that you did. Your vision matched what they were looking for. And so why would they even consider going anywhere else, no matter what the cost? The fifth person, however, insisted, no, I want my child to work from a textbook. And that wasn't what she did. So she was able to say, you know, so-and-so down the road, does that brilliantly. They're half the price of me. If that's what you're looking for, grow there. And before she said she would have been up all night thinking, oh my gosh, I need to add in an offer that has a textbook. You know, she would have really been doubting herself. But now she was like, realize she was never going to make that client happy. That client was never going to make her happy. The child would have suffered in the, in the process. And so she felt happy about not taking that client. And that's the moment where she realized, yeah, I've, I've, I've got this. And we took her marketing budget from where she realized the biggest problem for her clients was nothing to do with their children learning. It was about them feeling settled in the area. So she just started a networking group once a week, uh, once a month, invited different guests in. She would help translate the school letters for them, help them really navigate the, the, the environment that their children were in. So they had less stress at home. They felt more settled. So now her, her marketing budget is like 20 pounds for tea, coffee and croissant uh, versus hundreds that she was putting in advertising before. And that's really the side door marketing result. It's it's really transformed everything. She was, after six months of working together, she was fully booked. And then a year later, she was opening a second centre. Crazy. That's so good. But again, that strength of going, 
that's not what I offer. Like, this is what, if you want this, that's not me. I think there is a lot of, a lot of strength in that, doing that and and not, and in the early days when you're desperate for money and you just want a business, then you do take people that you don't want to work with or the things you don't want to do. And at the point you can get to where you go, no, this is what I'm really good at and I'm not going to offer these other things. So just one final question then, because I guess I'm thinking about my audience in terms of like, they're listening to this, they're getting it. It all makes perfect sense. How do we translate that understanding of our vision, their vision into actual marketing? Like I'm sat here thinking you need to be some flipping amazing copywriter to put out content that verbalizes this. So what, how would they take that stuff, that knowledge and use it and how and where would they use it? Yeah, I, I think actually it becomes a copywriter's dream once you can tell them like, this is my client, this is what they're struggling with, this is what they want, this is their vision, this is my vision and how I'm going to help them. You know, they'd be like happy days. You know, I was a communication consultant for a long time and that would have been a dream if people said that. Instead, they're like, oh, this website looks quite nice and that one's quite good. Yeah. Can you do something like that? Like, well, no, what do you... My services are this where it doesn't actually tell you like the benefits of the service or anything, does it? So no, exactly. it's funny. So, and I think also once you know your clients it, on that level, uh, coming back to this, this like side door idea, you know, you don't stress over what you say to a friend over coffee. You just have a chat and you, uh, you know, you, you're there with them. So it beca- even the social media and everything becomes much easier and the marketing becomes much more obvious because like like with that example of the 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 language school before she was ab- paying advertising going insane on social media and instead all she needed to do was invite them in for coffee and and say or well, what are they struggling with what would be meaningful for them how can i make my center and what i do part of their life and but be there alongside them in a genuine way not to kind of force them into anything but something that's really valuable that they want to come and then I'm part of their community and and it worked beautifully for her and it was something that she really enjoyed cut down the 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 costs as well I've got another client and she created a financial software so she helps businesses with their their budgeting and finance and what she did was create a mini version of that for for them at home because she realized that actually the, the last thing they want to do when they get home is more budgeting. So if they had exactly the same system at home as they had in the office, it would be really easy. They don't need two different things. And then they were also being inducted into her software. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it showed that they that she understood that they had a life outside the business, that they she was really showing that she cared about them as a person and not just as, as, a, as a kind of a sales or a, a number in the office. And that really... They loved that and they really appreciated it. And they started having very different conversations with her clients based on on that understanding. And they would bring pictures of her, their kids and go, oh, you know, you know, and she would say, I really want you to have more time with the kids. And she's a single mom. So she could say, you know, I know how important that is to me. And it's really my gift to you. So there's all sorts of ways you can, you can, you can play with that idea, I think. Yeah. And you're right. I think funnily enough, I'm doing, I've been doing some content stuff this week and talking about content and and one of the things I talked about was looking at your customer wider, not just looking at them from a, the problem they've got that I solve, but what is their life? Where do they live? How do they live? What do they want to do all weekend? Because like you said, often we don't want to talk about things that aren't our product or service. Like I constantly talk about, about books I've read or I'm reading. And it's like, you know, am I, is my business to help you find books? No, that's not my business at all. But I know that my audience often like to learn and grow and develop and therefore I'm matching them with that content you know the same as like they like a bit of motivation or they might want to you know see something else that is like what is it like to be a mum and run a business so even though my product and service doesn't necessarily directly you know fix being a mum and running a business the the knowledge that I know what it's like talks to them on a level they understand Yeah, exactly. It's marketing to the whole person and not just selling that one product. And really, and and that's when they feel that they're part of something. I mean, if you think about the last time you had amazing service, if you went and bought something and you just loved the whole experience of buying it and it felt good and you break down, well, what did, what made it different? You'll notice it wasn't anything 
big or grand. It was just the tiny noticeable things that they did that made you feel valued, that made you feel that you were more than just a the, the next sale. And, and I think that's really something important to, to think about as well. It's never the big expensive gestures. It's always those, those little things that you do to make them feel valued and, and understood. And that's something that's really valuable now after, particularly after COVID, people want connection. They want to be understood. They want to have that, that space to be themselves with you. And, and yeah, I, I think it's really just the most wonderful gift you can give to them. Yeah, absolutely. Lita, thank you so much. This has been such a good uh, conversation. I've loved the fact that we're aligned so well on, which I knew we would, because obviously we've spoke before, but you know, that we're coming from a really kind of good place in marketing. Whereas I think sometimes we're up against the sleazy sales and the get rich quick. And that just isn't the case. And I think it's a slower journey sometimes. And when I look at my stuff, it's a slower journey, but it's a more sustainable journey and it's a more ethical journey. Like, you know, I'm not just selling stuff to get rich and therefore I don't care about the results. Like I want people to succeed and, and it sounds exactly the same for you. So thank you so, so much. It's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. You're welcome. I've really enjoyed it. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that. I did. I really liked the bit where she talked about where your values and visions overlap with your clients' values and visions. And that gives me, oh, that's my watch making noises, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, brilliant. It's so funny. I was laughing with my Academy members the other day. I was talking about one of my members won an award, which is excellent. In fact, I will link to him in the show notes because it's the lovely Ben Bellamy from a Shoutable Agency. And he is currently, as we speak, redesigning me a website because you know what happened? You got a website and and after like literally six months, like I could probably do with a new one. Yeah, I'm a nightmare. Anyway, I'm having a bit of a rebranded stuff, which is very exciting. You heard it here first. Anyway, back to the point. So he was saying that he'd won an award and I was like talking about my award that I won. And I said, you know, the problem is I put it behind me and you can't see it's see-through. And then I laughed because I was like, it's the most professional speaker award. I won a, I won a female speaker thing and it was most professional which makes me laugh because I feel far from it if I'm honest but you know we're amongst friends you're my friend it's fine and if you're new to this you might be thinking Jesus is she always like this yeah sorry I am anyway yeah I love that I love that kind of crossing of visions and values I thought that was brilliant and it gives you confidence to go do you know what if they don't fit with my visions and values they're not for me and that's okay and also side door marketing I did really like that and the fact of it shouldn't sound silly which I as you know hate selling Anyway, uh, I really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was great. Lots of good takeaways. So I hope you did too. Just a quick reminder, if you do fancy a half day thing, I have me putting it on. It will be paid, but it won't be astronomical by any stretch of the imagination. Please drop me a DM. I'd love to hear from you or email or whatever, whatever. And yeah, it'd be good to know if that's something that you think you would like and we could put it on. So cool. Okay. I will leave it to leave it to you. No, leave you to it. And I will see you. Most professional speaker. Who'd have thought it? Have a great week and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do go check out TeresaHeathWaring.com where you'll find more amazing content to help you grow your business.